places I brought along copies of this, uh, but this is called The Miracle Table, Rediscovering the Power of Communion. I believe that at the table of the Lord, there is an anointing of the Holy Spirit Amen. that the church has yet to really tap into. Um, you know, you prepare a table before me, Psalm 23 says, you anoint my head with oil. I believe there is an anointing of God at the table of the Lord that is so powerful and explosive and transformative. And so um, God was just speaking to me and downloading uh, revelation and thoughts about the whole area of communion with God. And um, and so I, I was sharing this with Pastor Phil and he said, well, when you come to Threshold, can you take a communion service? And so that's what we're going to do this afternoon. So we're going to have a powerful time in God's presence. Amen. Um, and so there are copies of this book available um, for sale at the back, like £12 each. And uh, we do have card um, payment machine, uh, card payment machine if you if you want to pay on card. Uh, but I'm not here alone. We've also got some of our Revive College students as well. We've got Christina. We've got Alyssa. We've got Sarah. This is our, this is our second country. This is the second country we've been in today. Okay, we've been, we've been all over the place. Okay, so uh, we, were, we started off in Wales this morning and then we drove over the border, back into England, and we're here at Hull. So we are, we are international. There was, there was singing in Welsh last night in church. So, um, so there you go. But we got the gift of interpretation, so we were singing a lot. But um, uh, the Ara, uh, uh, Christina, and Alyssa and Sarah have all got powerful testimonies about what God's done in their lives. So, would you like to hear uh, their testimonies this afternoon? Why don't they, uh, they come up? Uh, Christina, go for it. Hi guys, 
So I'm Christina. Um, so a little bit about what God has brought me through. Uh, growing up, I faced a lot of abuse and manipulation from my family. And because of that, I picked up a lot of false identities. Like, I didn't feel worthy. I felt unloved, like I deserved it. And so I didn't want to face any of that pain. And so I lashed out. I went in every other direction that I could. And I drank. I tried drugs. If someone said, hey, Christina, maybe you shouldn't do that. That's dangerous. I was like, yes, let's do it because I did not see any value in my life. And someone once told me a story about a beach ball and how when you push it down underneath the water, it eventually forces its way back up. And that's kind of how it is with pain. When you push it down, it goes up in every other direction and comes out in other ways. And um, eventually I had to face that pain, but I didn't face it alone. I, you know, when I turned to Jesus, I began to face that pain with him. And through that, it, it's not easy. It honestly sucks. But, and he's still bringing me through it now, but it's a lot easier with him because we do it by his strength, not our own. And it's just... Wow, I lost my words. But, um, <laughs> but uh, seriously, like, give, give your pain to God because you won't get through it without him. I can attest to that. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Melissa. Um, me and Christina both are from America, just so you know. Um, I'm actually from a state called Illinois, and so is she. And um, just wanted to throw that out there. Everybody always wonders because of our accents. So um, I'll tell you a little bit about me. I went through several years when I was little, up until about the age of 14, 15. Um, and I was sexually abused multiple times in my life. And because of that, once I reached my teen years, it um, brought me to a place of where I was very promiscuous to a sense. Um, I longed for boys' attention. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm just going to be real with you. I mean, Jesus knows it all, so there's nothing to hide. Um, I strived for attention. Like, when I say strived, I mean, I wanted it from anywhere. Didn't matter who it was from. Um, I lied to my parents about a lot of things, and I got myself into some serious trouble to the point where I almost failed out of high school because of my choices and the things that I got myself involved in. And I really had a broken image of who I was. I kind of lost my identity, and based off of the words that people had spoken into my life, I had begun to think that I was damaged, I was no good, there was no purpose for me, and that I was just going to continue living this life of getting in trouble, um, getting involved with the wrong guys, you know, and I, my parents were honestly scared of what was going to happen to me. Um, when I was 17 years old, I moved in with my dad, who, he served the Lord, he was an evangelist, and it was a radical change that took place in my life. The second I, I lived in Missouri at first, and then I moved to a state called Georgia, and the second I got to Georgia, I no longer cussed. I did amazing in school. I went home. I would do my homework. 
my dad would literally tell me, Alyssa, you need to go out with your friends and have some fun for once. Because I just had this mentality that I'm not going back to that. And the Lord completely restored my image of myself. But with that, every time he would restore it, it was like the enemy would still knock and be like, hey, but don't you remember this one time? You still haven't dealt with this. And there were some things that I tucked down, kind of like what Christina was saying. I kind of kept pushing it down and pushing it down until finally the Lord's like, that's enough. We're going to deal with it. I, it was when I was 20 years old when I finally admitted to my parents everything that had happened to me. They thought that I was just rebelling to do it. They thought that I was just involved with guys just to be it. But instead of handling what happened to me when it took place, I held on to it and used it to basically justify in my own head why I was making these poor choices. So when I was 20, I finally told my dad about one thing. And God was like, but there's still more. My family didn't find out everything that happened until I got to Revive College. And Andrew Facebook lived our first time sharing our testimonies. And I was like, oh goodness. <laughs> and so of course my parents are calling me, what happened to you? And I'm like, I'm okay, I promise. Because even though they didn't know, God knew it. And he saw my heart and he saw what I was going through. And he completely restored it. I can look back on the people who did those things to me. And I have nothing but forgiveness for them. I have no hatred. I have no bitterness. Because I know that they're, they were just as lost as I was, really, if you think about it. And it was just the enemy using those people to try and stop what God was doing in my life. And so now I can look back, and my mom still asks me, are you sure you're okay? And I'm like, Mom, I have Jesus. Like, no counselor, no psychologist can do what Jesus can do. And so I just want to share um, basically with you guys is that who you are is not what you've done. It's not where you've come from. No matter what lies the enemy tells you, God calls you, just like what we were singing earlier, he calls you chosen. You are righteousness. You are beautiful and worthy, and you have a purpose. And I know that this is just the start of my journey. And I am so excited to see where else God takes me. And so if you are struggling like with something that I went through, or what Christina has, or even what Sarah is about to share with you guys, I promise you, God is the answer, and he will restore it, and he'll restore your mind, and he'll restore your view on yourself. So thank you for letting me share. Hello everyone, I'm Sarah and I'm from Leeds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, guys, it's such an honour to be here with you all. It's amazing actually. Um, so I'm just going to tell you a bit about um, me, where I come from and my story. But first, I just want to read you a psalm. Um, just a couple of lines. It's Psalm uh, 18.4. The danger of death was all around me. The waves of destruction rolled over me. And I just want to finish off by just saying that it gripped my heart. The dangers of death gripped my heart. As a child, I faced um, a lot of abuse growing up. I became very angry and volatile. And it caused me to have mental health problems when I was young. And I grew up drinking and taking drugs in and out of day hospitals 
psychiatrist didn't really know what to do with me anymore. Section, trying to commit suicide. At one point, even attempting to throw myself off of a motorway bridge. Things were really, really bad. I'd go in and out of church, knowing parts of the Bible, but I knew that something was missing. I was searching for something and I just wasn't getting it. And no man or woman could help me. And this was a cycle that I was just going round and going round and I was so tormented. I'd cry out to God all the time. I hear voices in my head, I had psychosis. I was really, really low. And this one particular night I was on my knees and I cried out to God and I asked him to kill me. I just wanted to die. I thought my life has no meaning to it. There's nothing he can do for me. I'm a hopeless case. I'll never be well. I'll never be stable. And I'll always be like this and I'll never change. And I believed that life for a very long time in my life. Until one night. And that's the night and I went to sleep crying. And I had a, I had a dream of Jesus. And he came to me. And he put his hand on my hand and he said to me, keep persevering, I love you. And I woke up and things were different. Things started to change in my life. I'd realised how further down in addiction I'd gotten. And I went to a rehab called Teen Challenge, which is a Christian rehab. And there I really met with Jesus. And slowly, that encounter has completely changed my life. I've been clean three years now. But not just clean, who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And I stand here tonight as a child of God. <laughs> Chosen, forgiven. Even though I had to forgive people, I had to let things go. But I stand here completely different. Not perfect, but I stand here full of his grace. And that started from one encounter. And I just want to encourage people tonight. Sometimes it's just not enough. We need that relationship with the Lord Jesus and that's what's kept me. That's what's kept me here right now. And recently, just to, just to show you the grace and the amazement of God, my daughter came back in my life. And my mum had stopped me from seeing her because things were so messy. And it's gone from not seeing her to spending my first Christmas with her in five years. Praise God. Miracles. Thank you, Jesus. He's a restorer. It gives you hope. It gives you a new, a new life. I'm a new creation because of him. Glory to him. Amen. Awesome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Which microphone am I using? Thank you, Jesus. You give me two. Okay, well, well, we'll go with this one for now. Praise God. Well, God's awesome, isn't it? Come on, someone give Jesus a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you got a Bible, you turn with me to... Um, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians 
and the 11th chapter. I'm not going to preach for four hours, don't worry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll read here from, um, from 1 Corinthians 11, and then we're also going to read a few verses from John 20 as well. Uh, but in 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, uh, sorry, chapter 11, verse 23, Paul writes this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then um, turn to John's Gospel and chapter 20. John 20. And verse 19, it says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Praise God for his word. Amen. So, Paul writes and tells us the words of Jesus. Jesus said, whenever you come together, you do this, and then he used a word, remembrance. Everyone say remembrance. remembrance. Everyone say remember. He said, whenever you eat this bread, you are remembering. Whenever you drink 
this cup, you are remembering. Whenever you have this meal together, you are remembering what I did. I want to speak to you a very simple message this afternoon. I know Pastor Debbie built me up as bringing some incredible, life-changing revelation. But I just want to share with you something real simple. But I want to show you how important it is. Why we remember. Do you know that remembrance is all the way through the Bible? Yeah? God would often appear to people in the Old Testament and say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What was he doing? He was causing people to look back and remember the ones that he had made covenant with. You remember after the flood, God said, I'm putting a rainbow in the sky and whenever you see that, that rainbow, you will remember my promise. You will remember my covenant. You will remember my grace. The, the, the children of Israel, God spoke to them in the book of Deuteronomy. And he said, remember all the words that I spoke through Moses. He said, if you need to, even tie it on your foreheads. And tie it, bind it over your hearts. So that you will never, ever forget. God would often speak to his people and he would say things like this. Remember when you were slaves in Egypt. Remember when you came to the Red Sea and I parted the Red Sea. Remember when uh, you defeated this king or that king. Remember my miracles. Remember my signs and my wonders. When the children of Israel crossed over into the promised land. And they went through the Jordan River. God told Joshua, take 12 stones and put them, one for each tribe, in the Jordan River. And there will be a permanent memorial. There will be stones of remembrance. Whenever you see that, those stones, you will remember that I am your deliverer. You will remember that I am the God who brought you out of Egypt and into the promised land. Why did the children of Israel have certain feasts and festivals throughout the year? To remember. They celebrated Passover to remember the lamb that was slain. They celebrated Pentecost to remember that God was the God of the harvest. They celebrated the, the Feast of Tabernacles so that they could remember when they lived in the wilderness in Egypt. Why is it that even today Jewish men, uh, after a few, when they're a few days old, uh, go through circumcision so that in their bodies there will be a permanent reminder of who they belong to? Remember, 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 remember. One of the most famous Psalms of all, Psalm 103. What does it say? Praise the Lord. All my soul, and forget not all his benefits. A God who forgives all your sins. 
heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and who crowns you with love and compassion. God's kingdom has a pretty good benefit system, right? Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Remember. Remember that your sins have been forgiven. Remember that your sicknesses have been healed. Remember that you have been rescued from the pit of hell. Remember that you have been crowned with love and compassion. Remember, remember, remember. If you read in the New Testament, you come to the letters of Peter. And Peter was writing to the ch a church that was undergoing intense persecution. And he writes, and basically the theme of Peter's letters is this. Remember everything that you already know. Peter said, I, I'd love to write to you with some new revelation, with some new profound thought. But instead, the Holy Spirit has impressed upon me that I need to write and remind you of what you already know and you are already established in. See, sometimes as believers, as a church, we want the new thing. We want a new word. We want a new revelation. We want the preacher to tell us something. Oh, I've never seen that before. We want some new move of God. We want some new encounter. We want some new prophecy. We love it when, you know, people stand up and say, God says he's going to do a new thing. We want to go to the new conference. We want to go to the new church. We want to buy the new book. We want to do all this new stuff. And God says that's all good. But sometimes you just need to remember. You're running around wanting a new prophecy, but you've forgotten the last 50 prophecies that I've given you. You want a new encounter with God. You didn't do anything with the last encounter with God that you had. I need to take you back and remind you of some stuff. So today it's not about me coming with some new revelation that you've never heard before. It's actually reminding you of what you already know. And here is Jesus telling us, whenever you meet together, remember. Remember that my body was broken for you. Remember that my blood was shed for you. Remember that I died. Remember that I rose again. Remember that I'm coming back. Pretty simple, right? Why would God need us to remember? I don't know about you, but there are certain things in your life it's a good idea not to forget. Correct? Who knows? You should never forget your partner's birthday. That is just not a good idea. It is not good for your health. Who knows? You should not 
Forget your wedding anniversary, those that are married. You should not forget when it is Valentine's Day. You should not forget where you put your car keys. You should not forget your pin number. Why not? Because they are things that are important. Things that are important, you don't forget. Can anyone think of anything more important than the death and resurrection of Jesus? There ain't anything, correct? And yet God tells us, remember. There are certain things in my life I'm not going to forget because they're important. You don't forget your wedding day. You don't forget when your children are born. These are important things. You don't forget, hopefully, when you met with Jesus. Because these things are implanted into your heart, implanted into your spirit. Well, the most important thing of all, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. God tells us, remember. In fact, don't just remember it once. But every time you meet together, remember. Why would God need to tell us to do that? Surely you wouldn't forget. Or would you? Would I? Does anyone ever, you know, your husband, your wife, it's, in fact, it's always the wife usually. She's always telling you, you know, don't forget to do this. Remember to do this. Remember to put the bin out. Remember to, you know, lock the door. Remember to do this. And actually, when, you know, there could be a point you're like, I'm not going to forget. And actually, the more you tell me not to forget, the more irritated I am with you right now. And here is God saying, remember, remember, remember. And it's like, part of it is like, okay, we, we get the message, Jesus. That's why a lot of churches no longer have communion. That's why a lot of churches, they have communion, but there's no power there. There's no life. There's no meaning. It's like, yeah, yeah, we, we get it, Jesus. We know that you said, do this whenever you meet together and remember us of me, but, but we're smart, we're clever, we've got good memories. We don't need to remember. Only we do. Because the problem is, when it comes to spiritual things, we have very, very bad memories. So I want you to picture the scene. Jesus is at the Last Supper. He gets his 12 disciples together. And he says, right guys, I'm going to make this really clear. I am about to die and rise again. Whenever you meet together, do this and remember what I'm going to do. Seven days later. Get that. Just a, uh, sorry. 
just three days later, the first time. Three days. Everyone say three days. Three days. Three days after Jesus has said, whenever you meet together, do this in remembrance of me. Three days later, what are the disciples doing? They are gathered together. Are they remembering the Lord? No, the Bible says that they're there with the doors locked because of fear of the Jews. They are there in a prison of fear that they're made. Don't we have terrible memories? Jesus has told them just three days before, don't forget what I'm about to do. And just three days later, they've totally forgotten. And they sat there bound in a prison of fear. <coughs> but Jesus turns up. Jesus always turns up. And what does he do? He says, look at my hands. Look at my feet. Look at my side. What was he saying? Remember. Remember that I died for you. Remember that I love you. Remember that my blood was shed so that you don't need to live in fear. Remember that my blood was shed so that you don't have to be in this prison that you made. That's like being in a prison for 50 years. Praying that you would get out but the door was never locked. Now you would think Jesus physically turns up and says, here are my hands, here are my scars, here are my wounds. You would think they would get it. But one week later, where do we find them? In exactly the same room. Remembering the Lord? No. Still in fear. Still bound. Still lost. Still hopeless. And this time Jesus turns up again. And this time Jesus says, Touch me. Put your hand, put your fingers where the holes are, put your hand in my side. You can reach out and you can physically touch me. What was he saying? Remember. Remember. Oh, friends. We think that we're so smart. We've got the memories of goldfish <laughs> when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Anyone here get anxious 
Why do you get anxious? Because you've forgotten. Come on, someone. Anyone ever feel shame? Anyone ever feel you're not good enough? Anyone ever feel you're unworthy? Why? Because you've forgotten. Anyone ever wonder how am I going to pay those bills? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> All the Bible college students said amen. <laughs> Why? Because you're stupid. Because <laughs> you've forgotten. Did God pay for the first term? Yes. yes. Come on, someone. Am I talking to someone? Yeah. Are you ever in a situation where you, you feel it looks like there's no way? You think, how on earth am I going to get through this? Why? Because you've forgotten. And it doesn't matter how many times you hear it. It doesn't matter how recent it was. Look, here's Pastor Phil up here every Sunday preaching. You are a son. You're a son. You're a child of God. You're a daughter of the king. And then you walk out. And like the next morning, you're like, I'm just a piece of trash. I'm useless. I'm hopeless. And God's looking down. It's like, it was only last night. You heard my word. You were in my presence. And you forgot. I remember when I was pastoring, there was a, a lady in our church. And she would go on Facebook on like a Sunday afternoon. And she'd be like, wow, I had an incredible encounter with God this morning. God moved. God touched my life. Hashtag, I love church. Hashtag, God is awesome. And then like that night, you'd see her on Facebook again at like 1 a.m. Just got back in from the pub. You know, just got drunk, you know, just kissed some guy. And you'd be like, hang on a minute. It was like five hours ago. God touched your life. And in that five hours, something happened. And you forgot everything that God did. Remember. 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 Remember who he is. He's your father. He's your father. Oh yeah, yeah, I know that. Pastor Phil says that every week. And yet, you're going to get a bill this week through the letterbox. You're going to get a, an appointment at the doctors this week. You're going to go through a circumstance and suddenly... Fear and anxiety and worry and all this stuff's going to creep up. Remember, he's your father. He's the name above all names. He's the king above all kings. He's the Lord above all lords. He's your savior. He's your healer. He's your restorer. He's your deliverer. He's your provider. He's your redeemer. He's your rescuer. Remember who he is. 99.9% .9 of our problems 
would be solved just by remembering. Did you hear that? Listen, I'm all for new God doing new things. I'm, I, we're, I'm all for pursuing new encounters with God, new words from God. Someone's got a prophecy for, t- for me tonight, hit me with it. But listen, 99.9% of my problems are not solved by a new word, a new encounter, a new sermon, a new prophecy. It, it would, they would simply disappear if I just remembered who God was. Yeah. Who I am. Who are you? A friend of mine who says when Adam fell in the garden, he fell on his head. And it left him with a permanent memory problem. Who are you? Who are you? The girls were speaking earlier on about how circumstances and Satan and other people had come and tried to rob their identity from them. And how many times do we go through life and we have forgotten who we are? Who are you? You're a child of God. You're a son, you're a daughter. You're forgiven. Come on, someone. You're forgiven. Why do you go around feeling guilty, feeling unworthy, feeling condemned? Oh, but you don't know what I've done, preacher. Oh, I'm a sinner. You are forgiven. And I know we say amen to that in church. I know we sing songs. I know we declare that. But then we go out the door and we've forgotten. You're healed. You're free. You're chosen. I love that song. What we do when we sing that song, we're reminding ourselves. We need to remind ourselves. Remember what he said. Didn't God say, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. I will be with you always. I will not leave you as orphans. I will send you the comforter who will be with you forever because he will be with you and he will be in you. And then we go around lonely. We go around craving companionship and company and all these things and we feel like we're, there's no one there. We've forgotten. He even wrote it down for us. In red. And yet we forget. Oh Holy Spirit. Would you burn. <coughs> within us. Because here's the thing church. If all it is. Is in here. You will forget. The moment you walk out those doors. Or the moment trouble comes. But when Holy Spirit burns it right in here. It's permanently tattooed on your spirit. And you will never, ever 
That's why Paul could be in prison and say, I rejoice. That's why Paul could be in prison and say, I'm a new creation. Why? Because Holy Spirit had come and burned within him. Jesus came in John 20 to see my hands, see my feet, see my wounds, see my side, remember. He did, then he did something very significant. He breathed the Holy Spirit into his disciples. Listen to me very carefully. People all over the world remember. Right? We have Remembrance Day on the 11th of November every year. You go to a football match, sometimes there might be a minute silence because we're remembering someone that's died. Why do people go to graveyards? To remember. Why do people take photographs? To remember. But what is different. About our act of remembrance. Than any other act of remembrance. Because as we remember. Holy Spirit. Breathes upon us. Because we are in the presence of the one we are remembering. He's not dead, but he's alive. And as we look back and remember, the, the point of looking back and remembering is to propel us into a fresh encounter with the one we are remembering. Remembrance is pointless unless remembrance is combined with breath. But as we look back and remember, we are in the presence of the one who breathes his spirit upon us. And as he breathes his spirit upon us, shame is blown away. Condemnation is blown away. The chains of addiction are blown away. The prison of fear is blown wide open. He breathes courage into us. He breathes faith into us. He breathes joy into us. He breathes strength. He breathes peace. He breathes 